This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the hosting provider I use for devchat.tv. I also use it for my applications that manage the RSS feeds, scheduling, and sponsorships involved in delivering these shows. DigitalOcean is easy to use, has data centers all over the world, and provides terrific services including server hosting and object storage for delivering your web applications and assets quickly and easily. I use DigitalOcean because I love their interface. I get SSD storage for my servers, and their support replies quickly. So go check them out at DigitalOcean.com. Everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Elixir Mix. This is week seven, I believe, something like that. Anyway, we're well on our way to the Big Ten. This week, we have on our panel Mark Erickson. Hey there. Josh Adams. Hello. And we have two special guests today, Frank Hunleth and Justin Schneck. All right, guys, tell us a little bit about yourselves. All right. Um, Frank Hunleth. I'm a embedded software developer. been working on NERFs for quite a while now. Um, mostly in my day job, I had been doing C, C++ stuff. Now I'm working for a company called SmartRent, which is uh, using nerves inside of a uh, smart home hub for our apartment and other property property management activities. Okay. Yep. What about what about you, Justin? So I'm Justin Schneck. I, uh, I'm currently working for Latote and uh, working on nerves a lot of the time and applying it basically in production that we have it in our warehouse for automation. On the side, I like to be able to see what kind of ideas I can come up with on how I want to take nerves and build stuff that I, that I want to have in uh, controlling and automating my home. And, uh, you know, I usually find that that ends pretty quickly and abruptly when I have an idea. And then the next day, somebody on Twitter goes, look what I use nerves to build. So that's basically been my uh, side job catch up. <laughs> But uh, most of the time, yeah, I'm either working on nerves or trying to be able to integrate it. So when you say working on nerves, I think my kids work on my nerves all the time. You know, that's that's like what, actually what I was thinking about when I'm hearing these nerves. I'm like, Ugh. yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> so why don't you help uh, help me understand what nerves is? Sure, uh, nerves is a uh, it's a a way to be able to build firmware for or software that would run on embedded hardware, stuff like Raspberry Pis, Big One Black, variety of different stuff that we support out of the box. But it's it's essentially a, a collection of tools and frameworks that assist you in building embedded devices or things that you can use to be able to control automate things. I'm doing a terrible job at, at explaining this holistically. Uh, Frank, uh, what, do, what do you have? <laughs> well, I mean, I just said that uh, NERVS is kind of a bridge from the Elixir world to the physical world. So a lot of stuff that we do is uh, putting, we allow you to write Elixir code and Erlang and LFE or whatever where it runs on the, on the beam and uh, put it on some device that you can connect sensors to, or you can connect motors to, or you can you can do, well, actually produce sounds, talk, um, turn lights on, stuff like that, all these kinds of things. And uh, you get uh, access to the rest of the Elixir ecosystem. So you, you can connect these things to the, to the internet, for example, and do other smart things. You, wow. mentioned, you mentioned farming. Uh, am I right that FarmBot uses nerves? Yes, you're right. That's actually one of the unexpected uh, use cases for nerves. It seems like couple farming places have taken to using nerves. So FarmBot's definitely an example. And if you go to their website, you can see their robot, which is, well, I think Josh, you, you've talked about the, the FarmBot a little bit, but uh, it's basically I a CNC machine. That, I, uh, didn't know, I didn't know it used nerves. I didn't know it used Elixir at all when I was first yeah. interested in it. So no, I was um, really excited kind of, when I found that out. 
Right. Yeah. Connor Rigby, he's on the Nerves core team. He works there. He's uh, been a big fan of Elixir and Nerves for, I think, a couple of years now. Right, Justin? He's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. been around for a while. Anyway, he contributes a lot to the project, but uh, the bot has a lot of software. In fact, I think that his project probably is the largest open source Nerves project out there at the moment. Yeah, there's a lot of great examples that uh, that we pull from his repositories, and I know that uh, it's used in a lot of discussions as far as examples on you know, or propositions, I should say, that that come out on on how we can better the experience and the tooling and stuff like that. But we've had we've had quite a few people interested in using Nerves for our farming related applications. A while ago, we had a couple places doing using Nerves in devices that would automate irrigation of uh, properties. There's a company called Bowery Farming in New York City that has these uh, where grows uh, food in warehouses and basically on each pallet that has, not quite sure pallet's the right word, but they have a little planter area that's on these shelves and each one is controlled by little hardware device that's running nerves and uh, has a bunch of sensors to monitor the plants and uh, take pictures of them to uh, basically let the automate the growing process for these plants. So yeah, it examples big surprise. Are, yeah. I see in your examples also there's a beer bot. Now oh. that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think the best part is actually going to watch their YouTube videos to see it in action. But it's a little kiosk uh, nerves app. And I, I, I guess maybe little is the wrong word, but the whole idea is, is it it does some facial recognition there's to uh, authenticate whether it can turn on a tap for you. And I think really to get the full experience, you have to go to the YouTube um, video or the links from the, uh, at the very consulting site that I posted, but it's, it's kind of neat. It's, it's actually quite neat. Yeah, that was uh, that was actually one of the examples about a situation where I, I uh, would take, uh, you know, what I would, I would try to be able to, to take what we build and then reiterate it and like, and install it back into some home projects I have. And one of the home projects I was working on was a, a kegerator that would uh, weigh the kegs and, and, and also control the temperature of the, the unit. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, this is great. I love being able to like roll this, the work on nerves back into this and keep upgrading my system. And it's like, I really want to be able to find time to finish it. And then lo and behold, out comes a story about how somebody uses nerves to build self-service beer kiosks. <laughs> it, that was awesome. That was a really neat story because they, we hadn't interacted with uh, the group uh, doing the development on this project. And then all of a sudden they just popped in our Slack channel and said, hey, hey, everyone, look at, look at this thing that we did with nerves. And we're like, whoa, this is actually quite well done and uh, um, in use. Uh, you know, it's just a, a really good surprise that day when it popped up. Well, I, I think that's a testament to the documentation, right? That they didn't have to be talking to the creators, maintainers to just be able to use it, right? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd like to think that uh, just that I, we, we work hard in documentation, but at the same time, we always know that it's inadequate, that there are always pieces that we'd like to add. And there's some domain knowledge on building embedded systems that would be great to document more fully so that uh, people moving into the nerve space uh, can get around some of these subtle problems, these little problems that you run into on embedded devices that you don't necessarily run into elsewhere. So it's really great when, you know, to see some people have success when you know that you still have so much more to do. Well, so I think, sorry, go ahead, Mark. Sorry. Well, I think Nerves is a really exciting project. It's one that when I first started coming to the Elixir community and the ecosystem, 
it really grabbed my attention. I was like, wow, that is so cool that you can do this. And I think it makes a lot of sense, you know, when you understand where Erlang came from, that it could be embedded and, and be long running systems. And, and I think what you guys have done, it's like, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I understand it right, you, you can have like a small uh, Linux kernel that I can embed with the system. And so I really have like a, like a minimal size firmware, right? It can be quite small. It, like what kind of sizes are you typically seeing? Yeah, so as the general idea, we, we're a system where you start small and you build on. And the nice advantage of that is that when you're working with nerves, you can almost feel like you understand the system um, because it starts small. And I think we've, we used to get down under 10 megabytes for these images that we'd install on Raspberry Pis. And, and you could go smaller. I think through the past couple of years, we've been playing around with what's the happy medium, right? When you start small, it's nice because you can look to see what's there, but it doesn't do anything. And we've uh, ended up putting more and more stuff. I think the Raspberry Pi port certainly has been the recipient of most of the extra stuff so that people, when they want to get started, they just want to use the camera, right? Right. Camera's a particularly fun item to start out with and play around with. So we had the camera software in there so that uh, you don't have to customize the Nerves port to use that. And so uh, from the development portion of things too, I mean, to speak to that, like the size that we're, that we're talking about that we're producing, like, and, and the customization of this, like, yeah, like nerves sort of creates an experience that as, as Frank so perfectly mentioned, it's your bridge from Elixir to the physical world. Uh, such a great way to, to state it. I mean, to craft that bridge, essentially, you start with your application source code that you would write normally like an Elixir application. But then you need to, yes, you need to marry that together with something that it can bring up on an embedded uh, Linux device. So you need like the Linux kernel. And so as part of the NERVS tooling and systems, uh, you can produce uh, in the end kind of like a unikernel experience in a way. Like it'll, it'll package together your application and, the, and, and like Linux kernel and, all, and anything else that you want to decorate the uh, Linux system with. Uh, and as Frank was saying, like with the expansion of our Raspberry Pi systems getting a little bit bigger and being a little bit more batteries included, you know, we might turn on like support for some additional Wi-Fi drivers so that people on Raspberry Pi 2, for example, can still plug in a, 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 like a common USB Wi-Fi adapter and get Wi-Fi. But um, that, that's where the little bits of stuff in our, in our systems add up. But there's nothing to stop people to go more advanced. I mean, once you start to hone in on exactly what you need for that uh, target system, you can basically take the original recipes and you can trim them down uh, even further to have only the things that you need for your application to run and package that up. Uh, you know, you don't, you don't have to include things uh, from upstream, like from our supported ports, like the Raspberry Pi ports that, that we put out. Um, you, can, you can easily fork those and then modify them to be able to uh, add or remove uh, anything else that you might need. Yeah, I just might add just one part. When you work with nerves, there are kind of two worlds that you work in. There's the, the Elixir-focused world, and then there's the low-level you know, Linux kernel device drivers world. And part of the, one of the goals with nerves is, is to try to keep you in that Elixir world. That's a world where a lot of us are very comfortable in. The build cycles are very quick. You can try out code, update it. You have access to a lot of libraries. The Elixir ecosystem is particularly rich. So the goal for, for all of us on the NerdScore team is how do we push more people to stay in that Elixir-centric world? But the reality is, is that you have a new board that you want to port um, nerves to for some 
project for work or some hobby project, you're going to have to get to the low level details. And that's why we use the Linux kernel. Linux kernel is pretty much is by far the easiest way to get odd device drivers working for a piece of hardware because someone usually will have ported it for you. And, uh, but you'll, you want to spend a little time in that world, the Linux kernel world and, and what we call, what we group together as the nerve system world to get your, to get the board support part of your project set up. But uh, once you get that set up, then you can get in the general Elixir lifecycle of uh, coding, of editing, compiling, then trying it out, and even doing some more fancy things to make your, your uh, um, debugging loop a little bit tighter. And that's, that's where we want people to stay. So in the world of device programming, where does Elixir fit in in, in the overall picture? Because when I thought about, when we started this conversation, thinking about, about nerves, I'd never heard of nerves before. But I and I've never actually heard of people doing a lot of programming of devices and programming of chips and and uh, and this stuff through Elixir. So how, how new is it? Are people starting to be drawn to it? And what benefits does Elixir provide over other solutions that might be out there? I can answer some of this. And Justin, I know will chime in. The embedded world is very broad. Uh, that's. That's one thing to keep in mind. You're going from things that are simpler than a little, the old style handheld watch, not a smart watch, but uh, very simple devices up to, I've even worked on some stuff that had GPUs in it that's, that's technically embedded. As for where NERVS fits in, NERVS fits in for network devices. I mean, it's a typical Elixir thing. So in embedded now with IoT and there are a lot of, there are a lot of forces that are pushing devices to be networked. It's nice to be able to code in a higher level language. So that's pushing some of this. I mean, you can do all this stuff in C and C++ and many other languages. But I think that many of us have used Elixir can, can, uh, can say that some of the network programming is, is a little bit easier for many things. The other place where NERS fits is, is, is in the devices that need to be a little bit smarter. So there's a set of embedded devices that are just sensors and they just send data up. And that's not a nerves target. That's, there's a lot of other stuff just to send data up. But if your device starts ha- has to have a lot of business logic to work offline, or if it starts doing a lot of, lo- needs to do a lot of local processing, you'll see in, in some of the devices that we show off or that, that have made it to production that these are, that they're general smarts that they need to have locally. And, or the area that we want to fit in is, is for those people who are used to programming in these higher level language coming from, you know, Elixir, Ruby, a higher level language to give them the, to empower them to actually work on these embedded devices too in a language that's familiar and productive for them. So what you're saying is eventually when we're taken over by robots, they're probably going to be Elixir-based Nerve robots, right? <laughs> Which is probably where the name Nerve came from, right? <laughs> so, they're full of nerves, man. The hard part there is they'll be fault tolerant. So that's, uh, that'll be dangerous. <laughs> But but speaking of which, that's one of the big the big example points. I mean, default tolerance in Elixir and, and Erlang that you get uh, the the resilience with it. It's it, another key benefit to working in this space. But as Frank was putting it too, I mean, you know, so we're we're targeting this like embedded Linux space, which has, uh, you know, a, a soft real time guarantees on the processing. All right, so you're not going to necessarily use nerves to be communicating with uh, any sort of like uh, other external devices or sensors that have like timing constraints. Mm-hmm. 
you know, those those things would be better for like the microcontroller levels where they're going to be they're, they're going to be you know hard real time devices. So, but you can use nerves to so, sort of be a layer on top of them. Like you can supervise their activities or act as a communication bus in that case and an uplink to the network. And and that's uh, that's that's sort of the the key area where it starts to fit in. Then any negatives to it? Any uh, reason not to use nerves over other uh, over other options? I mean, some of this comes down to what developers are. Right. But aside from code preference. Right. Code preference. Uh, I'm just trying to see, like, it's not, you guys paint a wonderful picture. Uh, it makes me think that everybody should jump on board. But I just want to know, like, what's, what's, what's a catch, right? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, sure. There's, there's, there are a lot of types of devices that, you want to, that people might want to build. And some, on some of these devices, some of the features that they have, the tools might be better built out for them in other languages. You know, if you're doing a lot of computer vision work, that's not a, that's not a domain that you're like, oh, got to use Erlang to use computer vision, right? That's not, that's not the first thing you think of. There's, there are solutions for computer vision-based projects that uh, are closer to ready to go than, than with NERVs. One thing that you can do with NERVs is pull in some of those projects we have people who pull in Python and uh, larger projects that are built in other languages. I wouldn't say that that's where we focus. You know, when you're starting a project, uh, you, you have to weigh those pros and cons. If you're going to pull in a massive Python framework to do computer vision, then maybe a couple other ways of approaching that project would be easier than using NERVs. So you could, as I understand it, it would be appropriate to say, if I want my small IoT device to be like a headless little thing, but it could have a web interface, right? So I could connect to it over my network and have and interact it with it through like a web page that it could be hosting and serving, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, people marry Phoenix with nerves. That's a common thing because Phoenix is very for many people who come to the nerves community. They know Phoenix pretty well, and so it's very natural for them to make a project that has Phoenix write some web control, write, write up some logic to expose uh, a web UI to getting information about their sensors, turning things on and off, displaying video, you know, um, having a camera that can remotely stream video back to you over that UI. So it's, yeah, it's can, actually great. To, you can stand up a Phoenix uh, web server. Uh, and, and as you were saying, Mark, uh, uh, you can connect to it just over your local network. Or as Frank was saying, yeah, you can connect a display to it and actually render the uh, the browser, like a headless sort of Chromeless browser, directly on the uh, on on the actual user interface. That's that was another example piece. Something that I felt like I wanted to do as a project to be able to use nerves for. And you ask about you know it's one uh, it's other benefits. And another one I think of here is like well I I started getting into like you know we talk about farming and I and we spend a lot of time seeing people come through and ask questions about using nerves and and we say how it's nice and surprising that there's a lot of people that are using it for doing farming projects and production like Farmbot, Bowery, and there's plenty of others, I'm sure. Uh, but it kind of got me curious. So I, I built my own, I, I was like, all right, let me, let me try this out. I, I actually got some, some stuff from, you know, like the local hardware stores and put together my own sort of deep water culture farming system. I realized that what I needed, I needed to be able to like control the lights and I have a lot of parts that sort of just sit around waiting for projects to get built. I happen to have enough on hand. And within two hours, I was able to, from start to finish, build seven-inch touchscreen device that rendered Phoenix web interfaces that I could draw and paint whatever I wanted onto for the controls for the lighting. 
and then upload code that would like actually schedule the on-off timers for the two different uh, lights that I have. And it was like two hours that I did it. And I was just so happy and impressed by the speed, like how productive. I mean, we all know and hear the marketing for Elixir, just how productive it's supposed to make you. But by being able to apply it in that case of, you know, within two hours being able to upload this and get it running. And by the way, that was like a month ago and it's been running ever since me having to touch it. Makes me think of one of my favorite quotes from earlier on when, when I was starting to work with Frank a lot more. Uh, we had a Wendy Smoke who came through and she built a cat feeder for one of her uh, like pet projects. And she has a whole blog about it. It's, it's really neat. And so she, she came through and she built it. And then she said to us once at a conference, she goes, you know, Nerves is great. I put this up and I built it. But the problem is, is it just sits there and works. And I don't get the joy of continually tinkering with it. <laughs> Uh, so it's it's cool. it's really nice, productive, and it just keeps working. <laughs> well, that that is that is cool. I love the idea of the lights. And for those of you who can't see the video, he he kind of tilted the camera down. And we can see these little canisters in the background working with these pretty lights on them. It's like wow, that's that's awesome. So I I know one of the other reasons we wanted to have you on is because you guys had a recent big announcement uh, with the release. You want to talk a little bit about that? Oh uh, yes, Nerves 1.0. It's it's finally here. It was uh oh man, the first commit was almost a was it about a decade ago or more? No. No, no. <laughs> the first commit was about five years ago, I think. Oh uh, right, yes. <laughs> Not that old. <laughs> that rounds up to a decade though. Yeah, that, that wraps up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, it was uh twenty October 29th, 2013, the first commit there. Yeah, it's been it's been a lot in the making. Frank back back then uh, started things out, and uh, I know Frank had some early interests, and then I joined Don a little bit later to to help push things forward with uh, the Elixir tooling and everything. Um, but but it's really uh, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun, and it's finally together. And it and it I gotta say it's uh, you know oftentimes you f- I find myself spending so much time working on nerves that I don't get a lot of that the, that I didn't get ever get a lot of time to like use nerves. And uh, you know, the closer and closer we got to the to the release date for one out, the, the the more chances I had to be able to get back and try to in, implement it. And finally, by the end, it was just such a joy that I felt like things were just they just worked, and it it was comfortable that that it, it, you know I felt like it was time. I mean, Frank, I don't want to speak for you on that one, but <laughs> uh, it's been a long time coming. There's there's a lot of work to get some of the APIs uh, and some of the base infrastructure to a place where you feel comfortable putting some stakes in the ground and saying, you're not going to change this area of it. And it's quite a big area for us there. I think there are what, uh, 13 projects or something that we, that we published that day, one O day. So, but it needed to be done. It, people are starting to use us in production and you know, it certainly makes people feel more comfortable with the project when um, they know that you're not going to change some uh, right. APIs and out from underneath them. And we won't really want to provide that commitment. So that's, that's the one O. Are there any recent features that, that you've added that you're like most excited about or anything that you, you'd like to share with people? <laughs> well, there are things that I'm excited about. I'm very excited about serial numbers. <laughs> um, I, I will have to write that up. This is a provisioning thing. It's one of those details that uh, you get when you start making a lot of devices and start producing them. A lot of details in production. So I'm not quite sure that's the most exciting topic, but it's one I'm personally excited about. The other one I'm super excited about, which isn't that we're currently working on right now is uh, something called Nerves Hub. And the, the problem that 
that we have is we want to be able to send firmware updates to devices, right? It's, it's inevitable. Devices need to have new software. So we're going to, we need to have a system for updating them. Our only open source method of updating devices prior to NERVS Hub was this something called NERVS Firmware SSH, which lets us effectively SSH to a device and push new software over to it. And it works pretty well until you have devices in fields behind firewalls. So as long as you can push devices, which push code to devices, you're good with it. What we want to do with NERVS Hub is get an open source version to where of a firmware update server that people could install a little piece of client code on their devices. It would call home to what, what we're calling the NERVS Hub and will decide whether to send new firmware, new software down to the devices. That is currently in progress. We have a bunch of companies working on this right now. SmartRent's working on it, Latote's working on it, Consulting's working on it. We have a couple hobbyists even contributing to it. And this has just been a lot of fun for me to finally see this come to fruition because uh, we had been watching other companies build their own update servers and not be able to open source them. So it's like every time we go through this process where a new company uses nerves and then they have, an, have their own way of updating devices and we can't leverage that to any new devices because it's tied in with uh, their uh, product. So this is coming. We're, we're in the midst of it. It's super exciting to be able to see just the technology that goes together to do it. I mean, it's like, it's its own example of how to leverage the whole ecosystem of Elixir to build some cool services. I mean, like Nerves Hub is, is going to be built using Phoenix, also uses Phoenix channels to be able to, to connect and, stream and, and, and hold connections uh, to the devices in the field and uh, for its messaging protocols. And then we're you know, able to do full firmware updates and remote management at that point, or the you know, remote firmware management at that point uh, with these devices in the field. So uh, seeing all the technology come together, I mean, Ecto and Phoenix and like, like all of this stuff just work with nerves together, like in harmony is like, quite a testament to how productive the, the whole stack can be. Yep. This is, I, I imagine some people listening to this are be like, oh, wow, firmware updates or software updates. It's super exciting. Well, I guess for, when you get start getting involved with this stuff, it does become, this, this is one of those pieces of the puzzle to deploying lots of devices or any, even just a couple devices and being able to manage them. And it comes in very handy when you have it and when you don't have it, you notice it and you start looking around for solutions. And there are certainly are plenty of other solutions, but that, that come close, but just not quite. And this one's starting to feel pretty good. And it's also been a pleasure working with a lot of people in the community who, who have been, who've stepped up to, to contribute some time to this project. Speaking of community, are there places to go for people who are interested in getting involved in this, not just to to help on the coding side, but also people who have never really got into uh, embedded development before and want to get in and want to try it out using NERVS? Uh, where would you send them? Well, we have two main places. One's the Elixir Forum. So there's actually a NERVS section to it that... Uh, Many of us on the NERVS core team, we monitor that very regularly. Then for the, uh, if you want to have, want to talk to people in more real time, we're also on the Elixir Lang Slack. And we have several people on the Elixir Lang Slack that, that really enjoy helping people get into working with electronics. And we'll answer pretty much just about any question to get you over some of the hurdles, including 
where to go for picking out the you know, friendly hardware, right? Some hardware is a little bit friendlier than others. If you have a problem with something with a bus, like an I2C bus, what happens when I don't get anything back? They'll help. It's, they're, they're really great. So do you get super excited when you see like an old original Nintendo controller that's like ripped halfway down the cord? Is that <laughs> oh something that you could turn around and use? Okay, so we have uh, one member of our community who likes everything Nintendo. And he, when he hears this, his ears are going to certainly perk up. Um, so I would just put out, if, you, if anyone mentions anything Nintendo related, uh, they will get some very good support on our Elixir Lang Slack. Cool. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, I was just going to say, I'm, uh, I'm interested in distribution and nerves. Like, uh, are, there, are there solid examples around using uh, Elixir's distribution with, with nerves? Obviously, I expect it to work just kind of like it, like it would since you have networking. But what, what's the coolest thing someone's done with distributed nerves? Uh, there was a post a while back about how somebody took the nerves uh, system for Lego EV3. It's the Mindstorms brick. Like Lego has a whole yeah. robotic system. Yeah. They, so they uh, they they took like I think it was like four bricks or something, and they they were all independently running the quote same version of the firmware. Uh, what they ended up doing was it would work together over distribution to to first off determine uh, it was a color sorting machine so it would sort these balls coming down this this little assembly line i saw that yeah and so like that that i would say is the the one that i i saw uh, that was most striking of a of a public use of nerves doing distributed erlang to be able to uh, work together in that case yeah uh, there was another example that Timo put together, and I believe he may have talked about it at uh, one of the previous uh, Luxor comps in, in Europe. He used nerves to be able to, in conjunction with building this, um, a replacement for EPMD that did service discovery built in. And I think that he, in his example, uh, just used it to, to do like a distributed blinky, as it was called, like a... Uh, so. One of the, the the hello world project that you do in nerves is is what we call blinky. It's like blinking a light, right? That's like the that's like the equivalent to doing like hello world and like your programming courses getting ready with a language. And so he did one where you would use service discovery for finding on the same network additional nodes that were connected running the same firmware that offered the same service of this blinking light. And they would automatically connect together uh, with uh, distributed Erlang and then blink like in, in harmony, like they would, they would blink in unison. So that was another one. I mean, blinking lights, like how cool is that, right? <laughs> awesome. Uh, it's alive. Yeah, I actually just went walked over to my bookshelf here and pulled out this old uh, electronics kit, which I don't even know what's in it, but I'm wondering if I can get something like that rolling. That would be pretty neat. Yeah. The, the easiest way to get started really is with the Raspberry Pi Zero uh, W. It's it's like a uh, in the US, it's like a $10 board, right? And it's, it, it's such a great thing to have on hand when just doing like some nerves. If you just want to tinker and play with it and poke at nerves and see what it's like running, right. it's, it's just a great experience because uh, uh, it's got this uh, USB port on it that you can plug into that's the, the gadget port. And we can figure it out of the box with our systems to you plug the board into your computer using a USB cable from that port and you get power. It powers the board. You get a virtual serial port that gives you a connection to the to see like the IEX shell and what's going on on that on the on the running target. Uh, and it also supplies a network as well. So 
it's it's like one-stop shop, real easy to be able to get up and running and, and fiddling with. So tell me this also, uh, I know you talked about having a, um, a Phoenix running on this. Is it possible to take one of these and create a uh, a standalone device that will access the internet and load a browser and refresh it every five seconds or something like that? Is that possible using <laughs> using uh, your stuff? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, you can you can do it with a headless instance, or you can have a screen on it. Uh, one one example point of this would be uh, used in like digital signage. Like if you wanted to just you know, like for example, have like a con- like you have a conference room at, at your office, maybe that you want to be able to display like a, a sign on the outdoor outside door that that you can render like the upcoming events in it. Uh, you know, if you can program the web page for it and have it reach the the back web page, you can just have the front end interface connected to it and and receiving updates. I mean, you can even connect to a Phoenix server upstream if you wanted and and use channels to push new data down. And you know, speaking of which, too, it's a uh, in the fall of this year, uh, 2018, we're going to have at ElixirConf, one of our uh, training courses that uh, Frank and I are, are offering uh, is uh, we're going to be building these kinds of devices, actually. It's going to be a project building a 7-inch Raspberry Pi display uh, with a Pi 3 on the back. And we're essentially going to build a, uh, a nerves device that you can render uh, web content to the, to the display. I think the second day is sold out, but the first day is still available. Yeah. There you go. Very cool. Where do they go to get that? You can register for that course on the ElixirConf page. Perfect. ElixirConf.com. Yep. Awesome. And we should also mention that, that, that there's another nurse training run by a couple other members of the nurse core team there. And they'll be doing more camera stuff, Raspberry Pi Zero and camera stuff. So that one's a good one, too. Would you mind giving a shout out to all of the uh, the other core members of the team? Uh, absolutely. So the rest of the core teams, Greg Meffert is on it, uh, Tim Mecklin, and uh, we also have Connor Rigby. So he's the farm guy. And then it's uh, Justin and me. Justin. Awesome. Haven't, haven't forgotten someone, right? Uh, awesome. I don't think so. Yeah. They're also, yeah, it's on the GitHub page too. Yeah. <laughs> so is there anything else that uh, we haven't talked about yet that you guys would like to discuss that maybe we missed? Yeah, so this is Elixir Native UI. This is something that I get super excited about. It's not... I'm, I'm going to stop you there. You but, seem to get excited a lot. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're picking my favorite here. topics for those, today. <laughs> for those who aren't watching, I don't think I've seen anything but a beaming smile from Frank. So, yeah. Well, you have chosen the best topics today. So, and I, And this is one last one. I just want to... I'll mention a little bit about the Elixir Native UI. So Elixir Native UI is, is referring to the capability to draw user interfaces directly in Elixir. And the two Elixir U- Native UI projects that I know about right now, both are backed by OpenGL. So if uh, we go back to what we're currently doing when we want to have a user interface on a NERVS device, we, uh, on, on the NERVS device, we have a Chromium um, web browser that comes up and renders web pages. And this is super useful. A lot of people are familiar with writing HTML and JavaScript, and you can render stuff. The downside to running a Chromium browser on your NERVS device is that, that it's a little slow. A lot of the devices that run NERVS are not nearly as powerful as your laptop or desktop. So it's kind of, if, you, if you're not careful, your UI will be a little sluggish. It's also just a lot of code to get working. And um, when you start 
doing a lot of development with this, you kind of get frustrated by the amount of code moving around. These, the Elixir native UIs is another option. And these things both, you write your UI just in plain Elixir, call onto them, and it renders OpenGL. Um, you can do 3D effects, the demos for the two libraries that I posted in the notes, the Uderzo, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, and then Boyd Malter's uh, Scenic. Yeah, things are going 60 frames a second on some low end platforms because they're taking advantage of the OpenGL support. And uh, I think that both of those will open up some nice UI options for lower end devices that can't have the web browser and also just be a crazy amount of fun to play around with. Justin, you, you share my excitement on these? I definitely do. The one thing that I, I'm not a big fan of is, I'll be very specific, CSS. <laughs> I'm just not good at it. And so I, if I want something simple that I just need a few buttons, I just I want to be able to just render up some some little widgets that I can control and like take some feedback and and putting up an entire web browser to do so sometimes feels bulky. Uh, so it's like it is very exciting to be able to see these uh, toolkits come out that that can let you do some let you leverage the power that you're sort of spinning out on the web frameworks. Uh, you know, you're going to lose a little bit of that horsepower on the web frameworks, and you'll gain it back if you just need some simplicity, maybe on the uh, uh, to render directly portions of things. I mean, uh, there's a time and a place for both. You know, if you have a if you have a project that you have a whole bunch of web developers on hand that you need some user interfaces done for, you know, and just and and you can have an, and you have enough horsepower to be able to drive like a the the uh, like the web uh, front end for that. Uh, then yeah, you can you, you basically have a whole big handful of free embedded UI developers that they didn't know any, they didn't know it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so if, you know there's you can choose either, and there's no real an right answer to which one's better. Uh, but um, ultimately, it's just it's really nice and exciting to see that there's such a there's people out there that are looking to be able to solve this this problem. You know, like I don't know how familiar you guys are with Wix widgets. Like that that was like the Erlang thing that they shipped with, right? I think that's like what Observer runs. Uh, using yeah, w, um, WX. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, yes. Yeah. So that's that's. It's just not. It's not really sustainable for embedded stuff. So like, what's included? Like, you can't really use that. It's not really. It's not going to work. Uh, <laughs> I know Frank knows more about that. <laughs> well, it's it it's, it's not a great experience anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, we, it's it's pretty easy for us because WX has a note saying you can't cross compile it and and everything in NERVS uh, has to be cross-compilable. I bet we probably could figure out some way, but I think what's really interesting about these Elixir native UIs is that they're, they're taking a more functional approach to uh, designing the UI framework, which uh, I think will be very interesting and is probably worth its own discussion. Um, whereas uh, a lot of the existing frameworks, and WX included, you see a lot of OO in them just by their, uh, where they came from world wants to get a hold of you other than Googling you, which you both come up pretty readily, uh, especially in all the conference talks that you've spoken with. What's the best way to find you? Well, we, we hang out at the Elixir forum and on the Elixir Slack. Certainly not opposed to anyone contacting me on GitHub or via my email. It's actually posted if you Google around enough. But uh, the best places would be the, the Elixir Lang Slack or forum. Perfect. And can we follow you guys on Twitter? Absolutely. Yeah. Both of us are on Twitter. So I'm, I'm at Funlift. And uh, at Mobile Overlord. <laughs> that doesn't play yeah, in well to what we're Overlord? talking about here. <laughs> what was the first one? <laughs> Frank, what was yours again? Oh, mine's at F Funlift. Here, I'll... Oh, F oh, I, 
Yeah, I fun life. Yeah. I thought you fun said butt lift. lift. Oh, no, most people, uh, when they, they call it fun lift, yeah. Okay, I'm with you now. Okay, perfect. All right. Probably shouldn't follow butt lift. Um, <laughs> no, that would be better. <laughs> absolutely. Okay, let's get the pick. So I have just one, and it is a an Elixir Forum thread. Should we adopt Dave's way of building applications as a series of components? It's from Dave Thomas's talk about the way he wants to and, and is starting to build Elixir applications. And uh, I linked to a reply from Joe Armstrong, which is nice, but the whole thread has lots of really good conversation from really smart people. And if nothing else, it's a really good read that'll make you think a bit. And that's it. Great. Uh, Mark, how about you? Yeah, I just wanted to say, if anyone has worked with me before, they know that uh, Linux is my preferred OS. And so I got a new work computer and it is a Dell XPS 13, the new edition with the developer edition. So it comes with Linux preloaded. And uh, I love it. And it's uh, high DPI and everything. And, and so uh, I just want to give a shout out to that hardware. It's nice. It looks very fancy, very sleek. So that's my pick. Is it the tablet one when it flips backwards? No, it's not a, not a convertible. It's just, uh, just kind of like a normal little laptop, but uh, gotcha. it's small, but... Uh, has a lot of power too. The number one rated developer laptop that's not Mac is that one right there. Very cool. I've got one. I would have to say I, I have that exact machine and I absolutely love it because it's the first quote ultrabook style size and power performance. Because I guess power performance for the ultrabook series you need to be with un, under 15 watts of like peak like power um, mm. at, at some performance ratings. It's the first time that they put a quad core under that power limit. So, so like the, the, the MacBook Pros uh, that had the quad-core processors that would use like 85 watts of power or so, uh, it, this thing would run circles around it. With And, and I, I mean, we talk about building nerve stuff and build root builds. Uh, they take a very long time. And uh, on, my, on my Mac, I could probably squeeze out like maybe two builds on a battery. And on that Dell, I can squeeze out like four, almost five sometimes. So it's, it's, it's a really great machine. That's cool. I actually recently bought my Mac fried out and I recently bought a uh, Surface Book 2 thinking that that'll, that'll work for me. And I didn't use Linux. I used Windows with the Ubuntu subsystem and it didn't work at all. Not nearly what I needed it. So yeah, I went back and, and, and latched myself to the Mac Teat once again. Uh, and here we are. <laughs> okay, so my picks. Started uh, from a challenge from a buddy, I, he said, "Hey, if I if I go walking in the morning, you go walk in the morning. Let's just let's just keep each other honest." And I thought, "Okay, let I'll give it a shot. I can do this. I'm I'm just so you know, I weigh 300 pounds roughly, and I could use the walk. <laughs> so so I go out the first day and I walk, and I walk two and a half miles, and I'm, and I got back and I was beat and sweaty and nasty, and I thought, oh, you know, I could do that again because." of my second pick. So my first pick is walking. I've been doing that every day for a week now, averaging about four miles a day. And it's it's getting easier. I had to go buy better shoes, but it's getting a lot easier. And also I'm listening to an audiobook on an app called Overdrive. Overdrive is, uh, it's really only for the United States, but it allows you to go to your, your local library. They'll give you your library card and then you can use that card ID to be able to listen to and check out audiobooks regular books on this app. So I'm listening to uh, The Guilty 
by David Baltacci. And I get excited every morning when I wake up because I get to continue to find out like who killed the guy. So yeah, those are my picks. Uh, (laughs) Frank, how about you? I would like to take a look at some of the Elixir native UI stuff. And so Josh Adams, he posted that should we adopt Dave's way of building applications. So if you take a look at that thread, the author of one of those uh, Elixir native UI frameworks is is actually, I think he started that that link. So Cease to Groot, I believe is, I hope that's how you pronounce his name. But uh, I think it's a very interesting topic. I think that uh, thinking about how to design a UI framework in a functional way is uh, an interesting thing to uh, work out in your mind. Um, so I highly encourage uh, taking a look at uh, Uderzo. And, and also when ElixirConf comes around, Boyd's talk, Boyd Malter, um, he's done a lot of thinking. So if you look at last year's talk from him, he has some some information about the Elixir Native UI in that. So that'd be my pick. Great, Justin. Why don't you, uh, you finish this off? Oh, man. Well, let's see. My picks lately. One thing I've been getting into this year is gardening. Let's see. So there's been a lot of just general chaos building over, uh, you know, we talked about tons of repositories that we manage with NERVS and then the work that's been uh, exploding in growth on NERVS Hub and, you know, just trying to be able to keep up with everything. I've been trying to find some ways of relaxation. Uh, so you go I, watch the robot do your gardening. I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's so peaceful to just watch robots <laughs> garden for you. <laughs> Actually, I, I so very much want a farm bot. But so I have the same theory towards towards like, a, 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 why would I buy a product when I can just build it? but not towards FarmBot. FarmBot's like the exception, but it's like, why would I buy something that can farm for me if I don't understand farming to begin with? And so I'm sort of, I'm sort of like, I'm, I'm, I'm using my gateway, my entryway into, into, into FarmBot, which is uh, that uh, uh, I need to be able to, uh, I need to understand it first before I can, I can load it enough that I want my robot to do it for me. Uh, and then, uh, so yeah, gardening, it's been, it's been really peaceful. And uh, then my other pick I would say would be uh, I've been reading the uh, meditation book, uh, Wherever You Go, There You Are. It's a popular classic, so, uh, uh, sort of going hand in hand, uh, trying to be able to uh, just, you know, internalize things a little bit more and, and uh, yeah, understand everything. Love it. Wherever you go, there you are. Those are wise words to end on this podcast. So we want to thank our sponsors for sponsoring this podcast. We want to thank our guests for coming on. And we look forward to our podcast next week. And uh, we will see you next week. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.